0: Welcome to Books with Bagby. This is a podcast about educators and their books. Some that write books and some that read books. We'll also look into some passions, soapboxes, and perhaps other educational favorite things. Thank you for joining us. and Enjoy the show. Welcome to Books with Bagby. We have Kristen and Joe Merrill. And I still have issues Meryl. It's that Southern thing. See, I've been in the South too long. I, I Hopefully it'll be OK with you all. Don't, don't, like. You've uh, been
1: called much worse, so yeah, we're good.
0: <laughs> I, I believe you have, Joe, but I'm not sure about that,
1: <laughs> Kristen. Kristen <laughs> no, me, yes.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I get it. Um, uh, we're going to be talking about the interactive class, perhaps Flip and Flipgrid and all the things. Who knows? Uh, but. Uh, The book that we were looking at first was the interactive class using technology to make learning more relevant and engaging in the elementary classroom, which I was an elementary principal, so I love it. Anyway, um, so first question I always ask, why did you all write this book? I
1: think you get two different answers from both of us actually. You go first. Okay, so we originally had the idea, well, we, we never thought we were gonna write a book. That just kind of like was thrown onto us but um, the thing that I think inspired us the most was having our own kids coming up through elementary school with us. And we just saw the the need for there to be more engaging lessons happening in the classroom because they were having a hard time identifying with some of the more traditional approaches of education. And so we really wanted to make sure that they had an experience that was unique and, I mean, like the book says, relevant, so that way they could try to, you know, really Take that experience of being in elementary school, and you know, retain not just retain those ideas, but really take those ideas, you know, with them throughout their academic career, and not just leave them behind in elementary school. So I think it did great. Wow, well, I think it was a great <laughs> answer before.
2: It for that
1: <laughs> never happens. Usually, she always answers it for me. So. <laughs> uh,
0: are you sure you're going to let him leave with that?
2: <laughs> I am. I think he did a great job.
1: I mean, yeah, it's it's true, and you know, now we have one in middle school. We have one in in actually, Kristen's class now. And um, we still feel the same way, you know, it's. So when in Kristen's
0: class, what do you mean by that?
1: So we.
2: So my son is in my class.
1: Yeah. Our (laughs) our youngest is in her class. And Um, what grade is that? Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Yeah. Oh, we should have said that. I teach first grade. And I teach fourth grade.
2: There you
1: go. Um, Opposite ends of the building. So it makes for better dinner conversations. But uh, so we just feel like all kids should have that experience now. So if we can help out educators along the way and, you know, try to inspire them, like we've been inspired from so many people out there and educators out there, then we'd like to do that.
0: That's great. And yeah, I was elementary school principal for a bunch of years and I had a couple of spouses that worked. Yeah, I guess a couple of spouses, a set of spouses. I don't know <laughs> how to say it. There are two people who were married. <laughs> the kids thought they were brother and sister, but I was like no they're not and then when never mind I won't go into all the details but um yeah but I can only imagine some of their dinner con- conversations she was the art teacher and he was a exceptional education teacher and and it's just having a different view of the same kids in the same uh area I, I just think that would be really neat um the most that my wife and I have ever done together was uh youth group Sunday school um and we spoke at conferences together and <laughs> we had the same kids in there. So. Yeah.
1: You know, our school is a pretty small school. And so it's a unique situation where some of the kids will come all the way through their academic career. So I'll get them in first grade and then now she's got them in fourth grade. So they're getting like a Merrill sandwich there.
2: Well, that's <laughs> so interesting too. You know, um, we're blessed that we can come home and talk about our day with each other and like bounce ideas off of each other. But, you know, um, especially during remote learning. And even since then, like there's just so many teachers who don't have that person in the building. They don't have that person to drop off ideas. Um, it's kind of sad in today's education system, how many teachers are just thrown into a classroom and just expected to swim and figure it out. And so hopefully the book could kind of be that person for that teacher who doesn't have, you know, that, that teammate, or in my case, the spouse Um, to talk and like share ideas with. Um, And we've heard a lot from people about that, about how it gives them, um, you know, kind of like that, that stepping stool to kind of try new things.
0: That's a great idea. So um, I I don't know, I'm just coming off the off the cuff or something like that. Yeah. uh, Thinking of you having your spouse to go home and uh, talk about school with my wife has been in education for the last. Well, since we were married and so have I and we've always taught school as a matter of fact every Sunday lunch we have all of our all of our uh siblings they come over and um my in-laws we live with our in-laws well actually they live with us uh the in-laws live with us and um so we're grandma's house so every Sunday the kids come over and they bring their kids and there's I don't know 20 something of us but of that twenty-something of us, um, my sister-in-law, she's a fifth-grade teacher. My brother-in-law is a high school counselor. My other sister-in-law, she's a, a music teacher, and then my another sister-in-law, she does a lot of substitute teaching, and and it's education talk all the time. So we have a space where we can work together and talk together. And even though um, we do have people, we could still gain knowledge from your book and use your book (laughs) as a talking point. Yeah, we talk about all things education. It's really weird. Like we were talking chat GPT. Well, we also have kids in college. So we were talking chat GPT before finals in December. And then everyone's talking about it in like, well, now they're like, oh, chat GPT. I was like, yeah, the kids in college, they've been using it for months now. So Anyway, I just
1: I just saw that there was a tweet that I just read before we jumped on with you. And it said that the first version of ChatGPT is now known as the legacy. <laughs> <laughs> New version now.
0: So. Yeah, that's the old people's version. Come on. <laughs> and that's one of the things I think is really cool about it. It'll never be as bad as it is right now. That's yeah. right. Everything. So getting off of ChatGPT and back to the book, what are the deep lessons you want teachers to grab
1: from this book? Uh, do, do you, well, I think you get two different answers there, too. All,
2: all right. right. Um, yeah, well, let's see on, if that I happens. Say, I doubt
1: it. Yeah.
2: I would say, okay, I have two. One would be that not everything has to be tech, even though we do, half the book is all these lessons and ideas on how to use different platforms. The first half of the book is all things not tech. It's all about how to set up your classroom, how to develop relationships with your students, how to include families in, in the learning that goes on in your space. So there's this whole section that's just you know kind of devoted to getting to know your kids and getting to know them as learners before you ever like dive into lessons. And then two, I would probably say um, a big thing we've been talking a lot about is like consistency with, with tech and like not trying to use every single tool that there is in one year and trying just to pick one or two, maybe three that you really, really like and teaching your kids how to use them really well and being consistent with that and being creative with that um, so that the tool becomes efficient and becomes worth using. It's not something tech doesn't become something that either, They play on or that takes so much time to learn that it's it's not fitting well within you know the learning constraints
1: i think for me i would definitely piggyback on the the relationships idea i mean all teachers know relationships are important but i think the if you're walking away with one thing from our book is that relationships aren't important they're crucial uh you know and if you can get your students to buy into what you're selling then they're going to they're going they're going to put that effort into it and so Um, A lot of the tech stuff that we do use now, like Kristen has mentioned, you know, we try to use it with consistency, but I think it's also, you know, important to note that um, a lot of the lessons that we have in there, they're, 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 they've they've taken place over many years. It's not just something that we threw together. This is like, you know, years and years of work that we've worked through and and try to figure out. And so picking that one app and writing that one app and giving your kids that option to fully master how that app works is really important because that's when you start to see the really creative side come out. And uh, so kind of hidden in all that is the creativity, right? You know, we want to make sure that our kids are being creative with it all. And we want to make sure that when they're using those ideas and those tools that they're using their own creativity to try to invest in their learning. And that's probably the, in my, in my opinion, one of the most important things of the book. Nice. So
0: I have a, another question for you because that's what I'm doing. Asking questions. Um, what has been your favorite, favorite lesson that you ever taught joe not necessarily something in the i know that's a hard one isn't it but um i can I actually, actually i can, I can answer it i know yeah <laughs> i can think of mine too what was your favorite lesson that you ever taught and it may not have been with
1: tech so um i this was a couple of years ago and i've tried to replicate it since and it just maybe because it was the first time i did it it just never hit quite as well yes. um with I mean, the kids all love it, don't get me wrong, but like the first time I did this, I just felt like, wow, that was really, really cool. I um, actually use an app called Apple Clips and yes. I put myself in a video game. Uh, I used the scenes on Apple Clips and then my kids were really into video games that year. And so I actually uh, recorded videos on Apple Clips using the 8-bit scene, which allowed me to look like I was in a video game. And then I downloaded those files. Uh, there were math problems uploaded them to Flip, at the time it was Flipgrid. And then uh, the kids were watching those back as levels. And so I shared them out as if, I posted them as if I was a student. And so when the kids would go through and they would answer the questions, then I would have them erase the answers and just explain back how they solved. So it was like a tutorial. So that way if anybody was left behind, they could go back on, they could watch and try to keep up with the pace. Uh, But it was just really fun. And the kids, I mean, this time of year is at the end of the year, I needed something fun and engaging to keep the kids going. And uh, yeah, it's just, I try to replicate it a couple times. And every time I do it, it's just not quite the, not quite the same as the one when I first did it. Oh, you can have the. To...
2: I don't know. I have so many. Um,
1: you have so many
0: favorite.
2: Oh, so many favorites. I, I got it down what, to what's two. What's your top favorite? I would probably say last year we turned my classroom into a Pac-Man game board. Nice. And so we moved all the furniture and we taped oh, this so much work taped oh, off this giant yeah. massive pac-man board with all the dots and everything and there was like black lights and like the kids walked in and we had a whole day of review because we had testing and like all they had all these different game cards and we had like scheduled the games to where they were reviewing different subject areas and like it was so fun like it was so fun and all the kids got a chance to play on all different sides and like just was a neat way to kind of bring everybody together right, to do something that wasn't super fun normally. That, that one was, that's probably one of my top three.
1: That tape took forever though. It,
2: it was <laughs> hours, mapping so, it out. Oh.
0: So do you believe your kids will, your students remember that activity say the next year or even a couple of years later?
2: Yeah, they do, and they talk to the other kids, which is probably not in my favor. So they'll <laughs> talk to the other kids on campus, yes. and then like the third graders will come up and be in fourth grade. They're like, "Okay, so what are we doing, Mario? When's Pac Man? And when floors lava?" And and I'm like, "Whoa! Like, wait! I might not do all of the same things next year. Like, hold up!" And so they're getting to that point in the year where they're starting to ask like specific questions about certain things. So you know, they I think they'll remember.
1: She also doesn't like it when they say, "Well, Mr. Merrill did it this way."
2: Yeah. So. <laughs> i have to make new stuff i did the same thing
0: yes i'm sure that the mr merrill well he said this and yeah well at least you have he's not
2: here right uh, now so
0: yeah at least you have your own kid in your class so the kid won't go home and says well the teacher said like my daughter would do well
2: he'll be brutally honest so he'll let me know if he doesn't like something he'll tell me i think i got a good report so far this year
0: I'm sure you were excellent and he only just loves being in your class. So what was the hardest thing about writing this book? What was the most challenging part?
2: I know that one instantly. Go for it. Okay. Two things. One, we didn't know what to put in it because (laughs) someone comes and they're like, Hey, you should write this book. You're phenomenal. We love all your ideas. And we looked at each other like, we're just two teachers. Like, what are they talking about? Like, we're just... (laughs) teachers like we just do the same thing that everybody else does like what on earth would they want to listen to and and hear from you know like what we had such a hard time understanding that like those things were needed and people wanted to hear about the things that we just had ingrained into our classroom so much it was just normal and understanding that might not be normal for everybody and that you should you know you can share it out um so that would probably be one do you have one Uh,
1: well yeah i would have echoed that um I think the other thing I probably would have said was that there were certain elements that we were not going to give up. <laughs> that
2: was um, one of mine.
1: And meaning like things like the editor wanted to take out like the like kidney, a kidney table. table.
2: I wanted to talk about sitting at the <laughs> kidney table. They're like, no one's going to know what that is. I'm like, yes, they will.
1: Oh, <laughs> we're teachers.
2: We're teachers. Yes. Um,
1: you know, and, and things like fonts, like that we use in the book. we were are pretty, a designer. We were, yeah, I come from a design background. So we're pretty particular with what we liked. And they were like, they were saying, well, you know, we shouldn't have this and I'm like... We, we put QR
2: don't... codes. We were one of the first books that had QR codes in our book.
1: That yeah, was we, interesting. We put the flip we put the flip AR QR codes mm-hmm. in the book too. That was a, a chance because I was afraid they were gonna drop those too. But <laughs> uh, so when you open up the chapter, uh, if you scan the QR code with the flip app, it's an augmented reality video that comes out. And, uh, uh-huh. for us. Yeah, and it's just kind of giving a little preview of the chapter. It's almost like a trailer. Um uh, kind of giving you an idea of what you can expect to learn about for that particular chapter. That's yeah,
2: surprising to all audiences as hard too, because we didn't want to pigeonhole like lessons and be just science lessons or just math, because there's so many ways that you can use a tool and like really can adapt it for anything that you teach or so trying to write it and not pigeonhole that was that was challenging.
1: And I think the only other thing I would have said too was uh you know we really try there's two parts of the book. So the part one like Kristen Krista mentioned is all relationships and part two is more dedicated to it's my favorite the lessons. <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of lessons that are in there and we try to make sure that it was easy for teachers to understand. So we really try to break it down like step by step on how to do these things. And then, mm-hmm. of course, include those QR codes so that way you have exactly everything that you need to try this in your classroom. So that way you can do it like the next day if you really wanted mm-hmm. to. Um, and so we really try to be diligent about making sure that all those steps were there and thinking through that of okay, well, if you're on a computer, how's that going to look? If you're on a mobile device, how's that going to look? And so that was a little bit. And there were so
2: many lessons we had to cut out. Yeah,
1: unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah.
0: Well, is there another publication coming on the horizon?
1: There's always gonna be another publication on the horizon.
2: Um there is nothing decided, <laughs> but um clearly
1: I was about to I say mean, nothing decided, like but it sounds like something.
2: <laughs> and, um we'll
1: see. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. The idea is definitely there, so
0: so we've talked about books and your book. Uh something a little aside, what is your EDU passion? Or give me a soapbox that Something that really uh, grinds your nerves or something that in the education space. But I I would prefer passion. If you got a soapbox, that's fine as well. You can each have one.
2: (laughs) Each one. Go go ahead. You go first. You have one, unless you have to by time.
1: Uh, No, that's okay. Go ahead. No, you go ahead.
2: Okay. That that means means yes and no. Okay. Um, Soapbox or passion? Hmm. Okay. I don't know if it fits. I won't do my soapbox one. Uh, Thank it's
0: okay. Here
2: for a long time. No, because I'll make people <laughs> angry, and I don't want to go there. Um, well,
0: we can scorch the earth. It's okay.
2: <laughs> I hate worksheets. So my soapbox is like, I, I okay. I don't hate worksheets. I hate worksheets that are just generic and that you just give kids to give them. I feel like if if you
0: so when I download all my worksheets from Teachers Pay, I mean from a particular website and just hand them out, that's not a good thing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't agree with that, and so I feel like if you know your kids well enough that you can develop something. I mean, I'm a writing teacher, right? I need paper. You need to graphically organize your thoughts, but you have to tailor it to your kids. You have to tailor it to their needs. You have to tailor it to what you're learning to. So I'd much rather people stop like buying things on certain websites and just let me teach you how to make them. (laughs) Let me just show you how to make something really quick that master like you can mold to what your kids need and what and can adapt because kind of like my passion would be to like, just slow down. Like we just need to slow down. And I feel like there are so many things or things that happen in classrooms that people look at and they think they're frivolous or that they're not meaningful. And there's so much learning that goes on in everything that our kids do. So like, in the mornings, I don't give my kids morning work, but this year my class is really into Rubik's cubes. And so they all come in the morning and they sit on the carpet while they wait for the announcements to start and they do the Rubik's Cube. And to some people, they're like, oh, just like, you're just too lazy to find something for them to do or you're not prepared or whatever. And I sit there and I listen to the conversations that these kids are having and there's all sorts of things they're learning. Like, you know, they're learning how to manage the plethora of Rubik's Cubes they put on the floor. They're learning how to like sit and talk to someone that maybe they don't know or identify well with, but they want to try. They're They're learning how to like, teach someone how to do something and how to communicate. Like there's so many skills, so many soft skills, like Joan, I call it, that kids learn doing things that maybe don't look academic. And when we take all of those away, our kids then don't know how to function academically because they don't have those skills. And so that would be like my passion is just like giving kids five minutes a day to just do something that's maybe not, academically on the schedule or to build something in that there's skills beyond just the academic Yes. um so that, so that they can kind of learn learn those skills that's something I've really tried hard this year right. and I'll tell you that my kids aren't any worse on their testing they're not any worse on their scoring they're phenomenal and so yeah. it's not hurting my kids, you know to, to give them those opportunities they're not missing minutes
1: well I, I think too the thing that I mean, it's a buzzword in education, but you're teaching them grit and perseverance, right? I mean, when they're working through those Rubik's cubes, they're not figuring those things out quickly, you know? And that 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 alone in and of itself is is powerful. And that's probably why they do so well in the test because they're going to persevere. I don't know if you can but,
2: trademark doing Rubik's cubes to testing, but we'll see uh, how they go.
1: Uh, you know, I think, Greg, if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, I would have given you a different answer. A couple of years ago, I think I probably would have said, you know, that I'm, I'm truly passionate about making sure that technology is integrated throughout the curriculum. But I'm, I'm now seeing in my years that creativity is more important than anything. Um, you know, in making sure that our kids have outlets, whether that's digitally, whether that's, you know, on a piece of paper, however that looks. I'm seeing over and over again, uh, positive outcomes from giving kids those outlets and having them work through whatever they're thinking in a creative fashion. And I'm just in awe with how quickly they pick up on things. You know, a lot of times when people think about sketch noting, they don't think little kids can do it. And that's one of the things that we've kind of done more of this year with my class and the first graders. And at first I was like, they're not going to understand this. It's going to be me drawing pictures on the board. They're just going to look at it or they're going to copy it. And it's actually been the quite opposite because I may not know what they drew on their paper, but they can tell you exactly what they drew on their paper. And if they can tell you what they drew on their paper, they've already retained the information yes. and the content. And so it's really, really powerful. And so I think that's really at the forefront of everything that I try to plan now with my students. And uh, when I'm making my own work sheets for mm-hmm. my students, because I'll just design everything for differentiated groups, and uh, I always put that in the forefront. How are they going to go about being creative when working through this process uh, to meet that standard? And so uh, that's been really powerful and really beneficial for my students this year.
0: Wow. So creative and personalized learning for your students. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new, right? <laughs> yeah, but it works. So, Meryl's, how can folks connect with you? I, I believe you're on the Twitters and uh you have other spaces on the web yes we
1: are so uh, we're we're everywhere at the Merrills edu everywhere two hours because there's two of us she hates it when i do that uh <laughs> also the edu.com we're on there and uh most importantly like we just love to connect with educators and love learning from you guys and so if you hear this and you have questions about anything or or you want to learn more about uh, maybe some of the stuff that's in the book, please reach out to us. We'd, we'd love to get to know you, get to to work with you. And uh, you know, yeah. So, so is there anything else you want to add
0: before I let you go?
2: Hang in there.
1: I, yeah, we're, we're just got a couple more weeks left. Right?
2: <laughs> like, well, I just in general, like, I just feel like it's such a toxic space sometimes and it's so, it's so easy to just listen to what's going on. It's so easy to feel responsible. Like I've been a lot of reflecting this year about how teachers feel responsible for certain things happening when it's not us, it's not on us. Um, and I I've, I've tried really hard this year to stay in my four walls and to focus on, you know, what the essence of being a teacher is and what my job is. And so I would just encourage teachers to just do that. Like sometimes it's okay to close the doors and just, you know, exist in that space and just, you know, do the next thing, just do the next thing. know plan the next thing um because it is hard right now and i don't i don't like to get on here and be like oh we love teaching everything's great and sometimes people listen like wow i don't feel like that like i i i can't relate to that all the time and and to just to know that like we see that too and we feel that too and um you know
1: you're not alone you're not
2: alone yeah like we love to help any people in any way we can
0: yes and it's even not as um, glamorous being at a central office, like a central office employee like I am now. Believe it or not, there's some issues there as well. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Well, whether you're in a first grade classroom or a fourth grade classroom, or fifth, who knows, um, always take time to ask a question, answer the ones you can, make someone feel special, and be great because you are great. Thank you, Meryl, have a great day. Thanks, guys.